So the debate is coming because in Indiana, uh, we do debates with everybody, and the debate uh, for U.S. Senate with Senator Todd Young, uh, challenger Thomas McDermott, the Democrat, and the Libertarian, James Seniak. Tony Katz, great to be with you. James Seniak joins us right now, S-C-E-N-I-A-K. Seniak for Senate.com is where you find uh, the, the site. And libertarians in Indiana have an advantage because they're immediately uh, in these debate conversations. And we saw in the gubernatorial race uh, that there was a libertarian, Donald Rainwater, uh, that at least during the race got a lot of attention. And got a lot of people excited when it came to turnout. I think it was a letdown for a fair amount of people uh, that they thought it was going to be a much bigger turnout for him, and it didn't come to be. So as a libertarian running for Senate, what did you learn from that rainwater uh, race, and what uh, lessons do you take into this election? Well, first, thank you for letting me on the show and uh, allowing me to uh, express the solutions that we have as libertarians for Hoosier voters. But with the rainwater uh, campaign, it was a- absolutely a success. Yes, we only reached that 11%, but 11% is an astronomical number when you look at how third parties have done. And he has, as a ca- uh, candidate, done one of the best in a three-way race around the nation. So there's a lot of optimism and a positivity, and people are realizing we are a viable option in Indiana. So when you talk about being a viable uh, option, you have on, on your site your priorities, medical freedom, vet care, fiscal sanity, criminal justice reform, gun rights, uh, uh, abortion. These are the things that you've decided are, are the top of priority. Um, uh, before we get into specifics, what is it about the libertarian methodology that you think is a good option for Hoosier voters? Well, look, I come from the Republican side, and I realize that smaller government, less taxes, has been preached by the Republicans for a long, long time. And and really, I've helped people get elected and realize that that philosophy, once they get to Washington, D.C., is absolutely uh, gone out the window, and they don't uh, no longer look at an accountable government. And so when I look at libertarians, we have real solutions that lower taxes, that bring smaller government, that protect your privacy, protect your gun rights, and protect your constitutional rights. So now we take a look at at your uh, priorities, and you start with with medical freedom. It seems that every time I swing a libertarian, I'm getting into a conversation uh, about uh, cannabis. Your your quote is that politicians are not physicians. Medical decisions should be made by individuals and their personal physicians. That seems to be a conversation uh, about vaccination. Um, but is is the idea of medical freedom solely and exclusively uh, a uh, about uh, cannabis only, or is it, it the cannabis and and uh, what how you choose to vaccinate, or is there a larger subject to play? So this philosophy came from uh, COVID, and I saw how uh, Washington was infringing upon our medical rights. And Todd Young voted uh, to mandate vaccinations for federal employees even before it was FDA approved. And I was really concerned with what Washington thinks they could do for medically for the individual and what they can mandate. And so I look at these concerns. And I absolutely believe that every medical decision we make should be up to the individual and their trusted physician. So this is nothing new, but I realize that Washington will take away our rights, and I want to protect it, and I want to show Hoosiers that there's someone willing to fight and defend uh, those rights, including medical rights. 
Talking to James Seniak, a candidate for U.S. Senate, Libertarian, S-C-E-N-I-A-K, Seniak for Senate.com. Uh, uh, one of the things that you uh, talk about it's in, 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 in under medical freedom is twofold. Eliminate burdensome and unnecessary taxes and regulation on medical device manufacturers, an interesting take, and then you follow it up with de-weaponize the patent system to allow more affordable generic options for necessary and life-saving drugs. I find it weird that you would be in favor of the reducing of regulation to the point where you don't believe that people should be able to have a patent on the thing they invested their own money in creating. How do you square that circle? Well, uh, so there's absolutely numerous things going on here. But, for example, opening it up with contraceptions over the counter makes sense. It reduces abortion. There's absolutely things we can do to make medical more accessible for Hoosiers. Um, and then with the patent system, what happens is, is we look at the rising p- price of insulin, and there is a, a protection for patents. But once they reach their profit margin, what we see is just an increase on Hoosiers and, and, and Americans across the world about that price going continually to go up. So this brings accountability as well to the uh, medical world, and it allows for prices to be competitive within, within that context. You 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 creating me a hard time with with that one because I I don't believe that's the role of government to decide that one has made a, a, enough money. But I'm totally down with the idea that if you get rid of burdensome regulation on medical device manufacturers, you have the opportunity to create a, a far greater number of of devices. When you take a look at um, what the the federal government has now done with the Inflation Reduction Act. And you see how they want to cap uh, prices on, for example, insulin. Is this something, as a libertarian, you favor or you oppose? Um, we, uh, I don't favor ever capping prices. Uh, but with inflation, I mean, we can look at the direct cause of inflation, whether it's in the medical world or whether it's in uh, just everyday Hoosier wallets. And inflation is contributed to Washington spending. You mentioned that earlier on the program. Todd Young is spending more than Bernie Sanders, and his fiscal policies is hurting Hoosiers, and it's hurting Hoosier wallets. And so this is something we need to address. I'm going to address it in the debates. And Hoosiers need to understand that what they are feeling right now is a direct correlation to Todd Young votes. Let us move into some of the other things that you get into because, uh, you know, uh, people focus usually on one or two subjects. And I started with that, but we need to get into the totality of it. One of the things that you talk about is fiscal sanity. And you are flat out saying we got to follow the Cato Institute plan for Social Security. So take a breath. Explain to me the Cato plan, 6.2% plan for Social Security solvency. How does this work and how does it benefit Hoosier families? Well, right now, Social Security isn't uh, viable. It's not going to be there for me. It's not going to be there for the future generations, for my nieces. And so we have to look at ways to actually make it work. 6.2% plan with the Cato plan, what it does is it allows for those who still need Social Security and allows that, that portion that your employer pays to still continue to support that system. But it allows individuals to opt out and invest in their own retirement with better rates coming in with the free market. So it actually continues the process for those who still need it, but yet allows for those who can to opt out. The argument against that is everybody's got to be paying in, so it takes care of the people who, who, who need it. If you have people opting in, the, the system can't survive. Isn't that the argument against uh, that plan? 
Well, the system's not surviving right now with everybody paying in. So we have to look at something that's going to have further solutions and, and have solutions for the next generations coming up. Right now, we're seeing it not survive. We're seeing every year we're, we're looking at have to, how to have to make that uh, reasonable for people. And, and it's not working right now. So our system's currently not working. This is a plan to transition to a more open market where people can actually get better returns for their retirement. One of the other things on your site, uh, James, talking to James Seniak, uh, candidate for U.S. Senate, Libertarian, S-C-E-N-I-A-K, SeniakforSenate.com. You talk about criminal justice uh, reform, ending civil asset forfeiture, which I am totally, totally down with. I have been very clear on that. But you state, end the war on drugs, treat this as a health crisis, not a criminal one. Fentanyl coming across the border, fentanyl being uh, implanted into many things coming uh, out, out of China should be treated as a health crisis and not as a criminal issue? Well, look, the issue of fentanyl, a uh, very personal issue. I've, I've seen uh, someone die because of fentanyl. But the issue is, is when we have these restrictions in the underground market that the drug war has created, the drugs are being laced with fentanyl. So the idea is, is that even with um, cannabis, how, how we've modernized that and made it available, it's a cleaner option. But from the health perspective, I'm a behavior therapist, and I look at addictions, and I look at how we do that. And so with um, criminal options, you know, if, if we're going to be criminalized for an addiction, we're not going to seek the help that we need. And so my point of view is by decriminalizing it, we're actually going to get people more help.